what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here in Church of the Corn. We have the regular two here in Zach and Drake. What's up, brother? How are you? I am good, man. I am ready to get this show on the road tonight. Yeah, uh, a lot of good baseball on. I got a chance to watch that all day. So I'm hoping this, uh, as soon as this is finished up, that Kentucky LSU game is still going on, so I can watch that shit because it is a it's it's actually uh it's fun to watch when baseball teams can put up some offense uh, and have some good pitching as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I I was telling you before we started. I uh, I was watching my san francisco giants play today they won 13 to 3 so i didn't see a whole lot of good pitching in that one um and you're watching lsu kentucky i just flipped on oral roberts in oregon which is another Uh, uh, must win today i believe yep yep it is one one oral roberts was up eight nothing the other night in the second inning on friday and blew that lead that's the craziest shit ever in baseball, there, especially, there are so many oral jokes that I could throw out there right now, but I'm not going to. God, I am so proud of you. Look at you just growing as a person. I know. I'm I'm an adult these days. I don't think that'll last the entire hour that we're going to do this shit for, but I guess we'll see, right? No, no. Where Where do you want to start? Because there's a couple of shit storms we both agreed to talk about today. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's almost like, do you want to take the the in quotation serious one first or the the shit show one and i kind of think i want to tackle the the shit show one first okay um just so that way we can get that out of the way because uh wow uh baby gronk's dad is is wild oh my gosh this and this kid's been around for a little bit now it's this is not his first rodeo like it's been going on for a few years now, hasn't it? Uh, I think maybe 18 months. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was, it's been going on a little bit longer than that, but I guess he's it's 10 like... now and it started when he was nine, I think. Okay. Or, or at least that's when he started to get some real notoriety. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. That's when everything started to get really circulated by him or, or um, by his dad. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think my, my tweet, yesterday summed it up pretty perfectly like hey pops this is impressive that you've been able to do this for your kid you've built up this this huge platform um this kid's getting to go do some cool shit right like getting to go create content with livy dunn like that that is awesome for a 10 year old i yeah. i'm i'm, I'm the not amount of eyes that you get on like you can't pay for that that's that's just yeah you can't pay for right. that kind of uh uh you know eyes on you Yes, but here's here's where like my my issue with it all comes from. Like one, I don't know if there's a way unless I start looking unless I get access to financial documents, there's no way that dad isn't using this for financial gain. He's exploiting his child for for financial gain and getting to live a life that he that he has wanted to and didn't get to right yeah, well, hell like yeah. are we I mean, are we all in agreement there i mean i i i can't argue with you hell yeah that's what he's doing he, he is literally bankrolling off his kid at this point because i mean his kid looks like he doesn't know what the fuck is going on most of the no, time anyway so and i'm sure his kid's having the time of his life and that he's is getting awesome. to play football all over the country i mean 
You're, you know you're who else? notoriety for the shit. You know who else had the time of their life during childhood stardom? I, I, I was that uh, are you gonna say Macaulay Culkin? Macaulay Culkin was not who I was gonna say, but oh, okay. him, Britney Spears, uh, Corey Feldman, Corey Hain. Like, do you remember this name? Uh, David Sills, I believe, the one that the quarterback that was uh, supposed to go to USC when he was like. 14 years old yeah and then like, ended up playing wide receiver at west virginia by the time his career was finished yeah and i mean so that's what baby gronk is remind is makes me think it's right um some somebody hit me up on twitter today too with with a good comparison that i didn't remember but i'm gonna go grab it here really quickly um cody paul was supposed to be the next reggie bush ended oh, up being like yeah. five foot five I mean, I can go back to high school and think of Sam McDuffie, right? Who went viral as a high school player because of some great runs. But I, let let's take let's take the sports part out of it. Like, obviously, I think unless this kid ends up being in the NFL, you're setting this kid up for failure from an athletic standpoint. But we have seen it time and time again where childhood stardom has led to depression resentment towards parents drug use like all sorts of bad things and you can talk about how this kid's eating clean and he's a regimented athlete blah 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 blah. there's countless studies out there that says the way this kid is training for football is detrimental to his health anyways both psychologically it's like the Marinoviches with that used to uh, Todd Marinovich how he coached his kid up and his kid went through the went through some shit as he as he went yeah um through, through college and then the pros and different things like that. Like it's a lot of pressure for a kid to have those kind of eyes on you. And it's even amplified more now with social media, the way it is. Yeah. So this kid has no idea what's going on right now at all. And then eventually like, I'm sorry, but his star power, he doesn't have staying star power. Like he doesn't at, at today he doesn't have the creativity to go off and make it make different type of content that's not based around football this kid's about to be five three at when he's fully grown so right you but like, it when you can but here's the thing like you're getting him addicted to this attention and then when if and when this goes away what is that going to do to his psyche like i just i don't see unless this kid ends up being an nfl football player which is his dad has admitted is very highly unlikely. I don't see a way that this statistics ends well. go along with that as well. You know, yeah, one percent of the one percent make it. I just I don't see this ending well for the kids psychologically, physically, emotionally, um, social social development. Like, and dad, like getting your buddies to post videos going after Will Compton, trying to match Will Compton video for video. <laughs> Calling out Wilson, people don't remember him other than from his podcast when he was a team captain with the with the Washington football team back when they were the Redskins. Um, Played on, yeah. I believe, three or four teams and, and then a shot on the fifth team. So, yeah. So, Dad, Dad, I'm sorry. You're a slap dick. Um, I cannot wait. I, I hope JB just goes after you. And A, helps this kid see things a little bit differently when you're on the, the JB podcast tomorrow morning. I'm interested to see how that one goes. I really am. 
Um, the TMZ interview, I don't think they went at it at dad hard enough. And it's very obvious that dad is, is kind of running the show here, which obviously the kid's 10. But um, I haven't had a chance to read the article yet. That I'm going to read it tonight. There's an article in The Athletic about this kid. And the comments I've seen on the article is there is nothing. There is nothing in this article that says that leads one to believe that the kid is choosing this, not that the dad isn't forcing it. I mean, I feel like to some degree, yeah, it's 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 definitely that that uh, living living vicariously through your kid or you know living vicariously through someone else because you never had the opportunity. I mean, that's what it seems like at this point. I do have a you, you since his nickname is Baby Gronk. Do you think he's got that disease that Hasabula has, where he just can't get any bigger and it's just that size forever, and that's why that's his nickname? No, I think Dad nicknamed him Baby Gronk. That's because, the stupidest fucking nickname ever, by the way. Because at nine, he he, you know, hit his growth spurts early. He's bigger than everybody, and you know, from a developmental standpoint, the kid the kid has good hand eye coordination. He has good ball skills, whatever. Um, and his dad just nicknamed him Baby Gronk because he was bullying other nine year olds. I would check the shit out of that kid on the line. At, like Will Copta said, at ten years old, I would have leveled him coming across the middle at ten. Oh yeah, that that kid stands no chance. It's it's just it's, Wait, okay. It's the most chaotic shit ever. It's, it's kind of funny to see, but damn. Let me ask you this, and then we can kind of move on from this. I I've talked about like more the psychological, the emotional damage that that could be done. Um, with your background in physical training and all that stuff, like everything I've always read says a specializing before like the age of 14 is bad for athletes but b you know you're not supposed to do real weight training at least that was conventional when i was growing up you're not supposed to do real weight training till you're in your mid-teens like high school level like with your background what what do you see here is, is this all fine and dandy from a developmental standpoint or is this detrimental yeah, so mainly what he's got his kid doing is he's got him working on a lot of agility drills and footwork drills and things like that that really aren't going to affect him in the slightest. Yeah, and and you see this with a lot of trainers now where it's like these footwork specialists or speed and whatever the fuck kind of title you want to put on specialists um, where they put these videos out of these athletes doing these like – foo-foo drills where they're doing a bunch of different footwork drills like yeah that's great that's cool how does it translate to the field though at the end of the day um i did see a couple videos of him like lifting weights just because for some reason it was fucking out there and i i know the conventional wisdom that we're talking about where okay if you if you lift it's going to stunt your growth well it's actually been shown to do the opposite if you do lift it does strengthen your skeletal system which is good but you've got to train your athlete accordingly like I'm not going to have a kid that's 10 years old trying to squat 200 pounds. Like there's, there's no, absolutely no reason to do it, but getting them set up with a lightweight, getting them on their form, kind of getting them through the routine. Like, yeah, I'm not going to have that kid trying to do one-on-ones at, like I said, 200 pounds, but I am going to give them some weight training activities to do because I need that kid to get, get that uh, muscular endurance. I need that kid to have that strong skeletal system too. So from that aspect, I mean, he's not doing anything crazy there. It's just my biggest issue with it is, is like, 
I get you want your kid to have this fame and all this shit, but like you said earlier, when has it worked out? Let the kid be a kid for That's, one. Like exactly. And then well, actually one other good point you brought in is specializing. Before a certain age, yeah, let your kid play the sports they want to play. It, it them playing just football from five to ten or five to fifteen or whatever isn't gonna do them any favors. Like you see how many um transitional athletes from track and field wrestling do great things in football because you learn a lot of those skills that truck that cross over from one sport to the or to the other so why wouldn't you give them the best chance to succeed by trying a, a few different ones basketball baseball football you know they're different sport different seasons so this this is probably six seven years old data that i'm about to relay here but when i was when i was finishing up my degree um, in my health and human performance program, there was a study that we that we did a project on. And I, like six and seven years since I've read the study, I don't know how old the study was then. And I don't know how many years it covered. But at one point, you know, it had to have been between 2009, 2016. Um, at, at one point there with the growth and specialized sports in the youth circuit. So baseball, mm -hmm. basketball, football, right? Those are the main, those are the main ones that you see super specialized tennis, golf. Um, yeah. Those things are a little bit different, right? But on the women's side, volleyball, basketball, softball, um, there had been a rise in things like ACL, MCL injuries, um, severe ankle injuries, and like things like, you know, patellar injuries. Like there had been a rise of those that, it was, I want to say it was over 62% yep, in, I... in youth sports since early, since, you know, early nineties. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, it was, it's a lot of those, uh, we let's just call them wear and tear injuries is a lot of what of them, what they are from doing the same repetitive shit. And I, I don't know where, where you're at with this. Um, they, the, the end of the study basically said the specialization is doing more damage and not allowing them to develop the rest of their body and just focusing on like certain movements. So um, in the, I think the way it had mainly happened was in high school athletes, you know, you find a stud athlete on the track team, but he'd only ran track his whole life. You throw him onto a football field, he blows out his ACL in like the fourth week of practice or something. Yep. Um, I think that was kind of where they were taking that study, if I remember correctly. But it, it's just something to be aware of and for, for parents. I don't know how many parents are listening to this podcast, but I, I've told my wife, you know, when we have kids, like my kids are going to get to do everything they want except for soccer because I can't sit and watch you soccer. I just can't. I can't watch 20 kids run to the ball. Um, if our and, kids and play none soccer, of them she, kick it. Yeah, she can, she can take the kids to soccer. Um but you know, once they get to 10, 12, they can do whatever they want. But I, I can't do five and six year old soccer. I just I, I don't have the the mental bandwidth for that one. No, I don't blame you. And honestly, yeah, I, I feel like if you do have a kid, you're doing them a disservice by having them just specialize in one sport when you know there's so many different things from basketball to baseball to football that that teach them valuable things that do transfer over balance, coordination, uh, you know, speed, different things like that that you need in all sports. And if you've got a stud athlete in one there's a good chance that a lot of those things can still cross over to another field and they can be mm -hmm. a stud there as well. So, well, and I think about my own childhood, I would tell you the sport that helped me the most and just like at a very young age, like recognizing wasted motion in, in that 
No. Ice hockey. Just understanding being fluid and wet and wasted motion and all of that. And, you know, hand-eye coordination a ton in youth hockey because that puck is never flat on the ice. Um, but, yeah, ho- hockey helped me out a ton. I only played hockey for two years, but – it translated to me on the basketball court, on the on the football field, and on the baseball field all the time. I did not expect you to say hockey. Yeah, you didn't know I played hockey, did you? I had absolutely no idea you played hockey, and that was one of the things that I'm kind of dumbfounded by right now. <laughs> Definitely did not expect hockey to come out. Hockey was one of my favorite sports to play when I was a kid. I played roller hockey on the street all the time, but I played two years of ice hockey. Uh, I can't skate or skate, so I'm not even going to try that shit because <laughs> I don't need to fall and break my ass bone. Well, should we get to the uh, other thing that took over Twitter today, apparently? Yes, we should. I I don't know how I feel about it. I was <laughs> I was kind of lukewarm on it, um, but it apparently caused a complete shitstorm today. Um, Omaha World Herald, I think it was Chattel, wrote an article, and it was about – not conference realignment, but schedule realignment with uh, USC and UCLA coming in. Obviously, with those two teams coming in, makes it makes all scheduling a little bit tougher. But Chattel brought up, and this is the quote that's been used multiple times, about Nebraska slumming it in the Big Ten West. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with, A, I have not read this article. Uh, I'm not an Omaha World Herald subscriber at the moment. Not, uh, so I haven't read the article. I, I've seen a couple of excerpts. I've seen a lot of the Twitter debate. I will tell you, based off of things I've seen, so um, Jim and Jeffrey the Greek were going back a ton, back and forth on this. That's been going on since this morning. It's been fabulous to watch. But I think they're I think for the most part they're on the same side of this. I I feel like they are as well. Um but I, I think everyone's on the same side of we all know Nebraska has been a shit program for the last eight years. That's that's fair. We all realize that Nebraska's not held up their side of the bargain. Here's the other here's the other interesting one that jumped in and also appeared to be on the same side was Slater from the Iowa side too. So it kind of seems like Scott Doctorman is pissing off his Iowa fan base as the athletic as the athletic writer for Iowa. Um, it's just I don't know, man. So yeah, everybody knows Nebraska has not held up their end of the bargain coming into this conference. But I think what Chattel was really trying to say after you know getting multiple opinions and seeing a couple excerpts is. Apart from one to two teams that both got blown out in the Big Ten championship game, the Big Ten West has not had a college playoff contender. They they really haven't. That was my take of it was the Big Ten West outside of your Wisconsin and Iowa have been the closest to. And one, one time each, by the way, not even like yeah. regularly. Yep. So outside of that, it has not been a conference or a division full of teams that blow anyone's blow anybody's hair back for any stretch of the imagination. Illinois, yeah. well, they they've got Bielema over there and there. You look to be building something good. It's still Illinois at the end of the day. What kind of cachet does that have on the football field right now? Yeah, and so kind of here here's the interesting thing. Slater said this today, and I agree with him. Like 
now with no divisions, who do you expect to compete? Like, is there going to be a Big Ten West team competing for a conference championship in the next five years? In the next five years, that would essentially mean that you need to be, I would say right now, you've got to be somewhere in the middle of the pack just to move up there. Because your top four teams are going to be Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think your fourth one's going to be USC, honestly. I'm right there with you. Um, I don't feel like Wisconsin is is the fifth team, but I have no fucking idea who that fifth team is right now. If you had to put a gun to my head today, it's a toss-up between I might go Wisconsin, Illinois. And Iowa. I'd go Wisconsin, Iowa. Okay. I guess Illinois lost a lot with Chase Brown and Witherspoon in the draft, but it's – And their head coach going to Purdue. I mean, their defensive that, coordinator. Very true. I, I would almost go Iowa, um, and I don't feel great about it because of the offense, but I think McNamara is going to do a lot to make him look uh, serviceable at least. And I give Wisconsin the edge there because I, I do like Luke Fickle, even though he's the only Ohio State coach that Nebraska's beaten in the last 15 years. Hell yeah. Um, I like what they're going to do offensively. I, they're gonna. I think they're gonna mirror closer to USC offensively, and they're still gonna be a Wisconsin style defense. I think Wisconsin could get there in the next five years. I don't think they do, but I. If I had to pick somebody in the West, it'd be them. Yeah, I think they've got. between Wisconsin and Iowa, I think they have the biggest um, lead right now on every other team in the former Big Ten West. Illinois, I just don't see them being able to sustain. And honestly, I don't know if Bielema stays there long enough right. uh, for them to sustain, especially after what he did you know, last year. And what is Iowa going to do to improve their offense? They've shown no desire to do that. You might you might get one to two years with McNamara here. Great. But beyond, once he's gone, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I, I really do think Iowa's the kind of team that needs a guy that's going to be a little bit more dynamic at quarterback that can cover up some of the – shortcomings in that Iowa offense because it's not and and also they have to hope that their offensive line developer returns to what it was previously because if, yeah. if that takes a step back again like it did last year they're no longer that fifth sixth team they bump down quite a bit even I'm with not, Parker I am not giving I'm not giving him a pass on on some of the allegations and things that he did but I think right now you are starting to see how big of a hole their loss of their strength and conditioning coordinator is. We said it'd be a year. May, it, you wouldn't see too much in the first year, but years two, years three, years four, you can't change out what Doyle did. Um, it, whatever happened off, you know, allegations aside, whatever. You can't take what that guy did in the weight room for granted. He no, was able to straight up point. develop guys. At this at this point, it's painfully obvious. Mm -hmm. Yep, he was. There's a reason that even with all the allegations, still got hired. Now, granted, Urban Meyer fucked things up right and left. Still did get hired for an NFL, you know, strength and conditioning job. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but the dude can produce. Yeah, it, it's tough to say a team for the Big Ten West will be there in the next five years, especially. I, I mean, we can say Nebraska. What have they done to prove that they can get to 500 at this point? So, so here, here's where I'm at with Nebraska, I, and I, I think they're the biggest boomer bust. Yeah, I, I'm right. I, I think back to, you know, 
probably a little closer to the season starting, but we sat down and we had Jeffrey the Greek on last Mm -hmm. year. And once again, coming into the season, Nebraska is the biggest unknown. They have the talent. Everything says that they should do it. Can they do it? Right. Yep. It just seems like it's a common thing yearly. Now I don't or a paste. I'm not, I'm not optimistic enough to say Nebraska is going to go out and win eight games this year. But I think they're a lot closer to that top five than they are the bottom 16 at this point. I I think they're a lot closer to the top five than they are the bottom five now with where they stand today. That's fair. I, I think the, the change alone at the head coach spot does a lot to steady the ship. But you've had so much talent infused in at some key spots that you were severely lacking. Um, and, and even at quarterback, we'll just go with there for a second. Sims coming in, it's not like he's not a uh, experienced guy. He started quite a few games in the in, in, in a Power Five conference. Yeah. So, like, also, you've got a I lot mean, coming in. I say it all the time. I'm going to say it again. There's going to be a market correction, and for Nebraska, there's a couple of market corrections. Every blue blood has gone through some version of what Nebraska has gone through the last ten years. Yeah, I think maybe I, not. Oklahoma, maybe not Texas, Notre Dame. Some of them. Not as bad, but the, some of them even longer while with mediocre results. Yes. So there's going to be a market correction there. But just go back over the last four years and look at how many how many one to two score games we lost or games that, you know, we had the lead and shit down our leg. Like, eventually, with the right man running the show, this program is going to win those games. I still think depth is all is going to be an issue here. I think depth is going to be an issue for four to five years. It just is. But if you win a couple of those games that you shouldn't, you win a couple of those games that you almost lose, you get a little bit more health. You get guys that stay healthier. I there's a psychological thing with winning where you stay healthier. It, it's just it's an unproven science. Um, so if you start winning a couple, depth doesn't become as quite of an issue. I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I, I think the market correction, the turnaround, the bounce back, whatever you want to call it, started, you know, ultimately the day Matt Rule got hired. But I think it's I think it really starts, you know, this year in Minnesota, game one, week zero. Yeah. So, OK, I got a question for you. So just branching off the Matt Rule hire. And this was something that was brought up. I, I seen it on a. um a message board and it was a quote. So I want to see how you interpret this. Um, it said, it seems like um, the level of talent Matt rule can recruit is lacking. So how do you interpret that? Because there's a few different ways you can, you can spin that. I, I think what it's stating is simply when you go look at his recruiting classes historically mm-hmm. and the players that he's recruited, he hasn't necessarily landed somebody as a high school recruit that mm-hmm. is a true game changer. He hasn't landed a five star. I don't know. I even know how many four stars he's ever landed, but he hasn't ever really been in a position to do that. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get those guys in bad situations. Temple's not a premier program. 
and we all know what Baylor was when he took it over, and we know where Nebraska is today. Yeah. Um, Matt Rule is very much – I'm going to tie this into the Willis McGahee Jr. situation. There was another guy the, – there's Willis McGahee, and then there's another in-state kid, both exploring other visits. But the Willis McGahee situation is different because yep. Willis McGahee 100%. said – Hey, I promised coach so-and-so that I was going to take an official visit. I love it here, but I want to be a man of my word. In-state kid says, hey, I'm exploring my options. You guys definitely are my first pick. Okay, you don't really want to be here. We're going to back off. Willis really wants to be here, but he's honoring his word. And if he goes down there and he decides he likes that place better, so be it. He will let him go. But he, he, as of today, really wants to be here. So right now, Matt Rule is going to find something that I think has truly been missing over the last 10 years. And that's a group of guys that actually want to be here. They live and breathe, you know, the, the scarlet and cream. They, you know, we talk about it all the time. The walk-on program was what this was. It was getting these in-state kids that would die for this program. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, we might not have that in the walk-on program, but Matt Rule is going to get those guys uh, all over the country and the way he creates this family atmosphere. Yeah, see, the way I kind of took it, is, and I, I I get what you're saying. I was thinking of it as uh, some of the guys that they've brought in, like Raiola and Baker and Frazier and some of those, you know, bigger, higher caliber guys. My read on it was that Rule is a little bit handicapped by the previous lack of success from the previous coaching staffs and the lack of development of getting guys to the next level, kind of hindering what he's able to do here right now at Nebraska with no results of his own. So he's almost being a little bit of a uh, prisoner of the, of the, of the moment. Um, You know, he's, he's put guys in the pros previously, but what have you done in Nebraska? What have you done previous or what have you done, you know, within the last year, your results aren't great. So I'm wondering if that's kind of handicapping him a little bit as well. That, that was my, that's how I I took it. Anybody who sits here and says that, you know, recency bias of Nebraska isn't handcuffing him is is moronic um <clears throat> I mean hell you can go back to to all the way back to Bo Pelini right how many guys uh the guys on unsportsmanlike conduct they do this exercise regularly how many guys are quote unquote misses that were four and five star recruits that ended up here well newsflash there's not a lot of five star recruits so you're looking at four stars and even back to Bo, a ton of those guys are, are quote-unquote misses. They just didn't perform. They never got to second-team all-conference. So why would somebody, you know, take a leap of faith to Matt Rule today when this program has gone through three coaches prior and had a huge history of misses? I mean, that's kind of moronic, in my opinion, to just assume that, you know, he's going to be able to go grab a guy of Dylan Rayola's calib- uh, caliber. That being said, this whole Danny Kalen situation shows you that we were really close to landing to Dylan Raiola, a lot closer than people were giving us credit for, because it took 72 hours for Danny Kalen to decommit from Missouri and recommit to Nebraska. 
Yeah, I, I think Rule's on the right track with what he wants to do, but as of right now, it, he's just handicapped uh, by by the by what has been done previously here. I mean, Nebraska's get, had a stretch of being dormant I, is, is a pretty good way to put it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was a really interesting quote. I thought it was – I took it about four different ways, but that was the way I ended up taking it. Um, but <clears> – <throat> I should also say that I love that we don't have 300 offers out. Yeah. It's like the majority of the offers that we're putting out are committable. Yeah, the those non-committable fucking offers. I can't stand that. That's just the shittiest thing to and do. And every, everybody does it, right? Oh, yeah. It's not a strictly Nebraska thing. It. It's just shitty. I love that we're not doing it now, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of it as well. I, it hones in on the kids you want to hear a little bit more. So – I asked you about the slumming thing. We, we talked about that. Let's talk about the second question I sent you, which was, it seems like Nebraska is the one program in the Big Ten West that I guess could have elevated that that side of the division. Uh, do you feel like Nebraska is the only team that is worthy of that at this point when, when they joined? Does that make sense? I, I understand what you're asking. I disagree with the premise. I, I don't think so. I don't and think so either, but I, I I think for maybe for some different reasons. So let's see what you got. I, I, I'll, I'll say that I really do believe that there's only one other program in the West that could have. Now, I, I should state that the other five teams in the West probably could have done a better job of picking up the bottom. But in reality, I, it's a, from the ability to elevate the opinion of the Big Ten West, it's really a two horse race. It's Nebraska and Wisconsin. Iowa has been what they are for decades. Um, and they're content with that. Wisconsin really wants a shot at, at a national title. Like, and they've made moves to try and do it. They just haven't panned out. And, you know, under, under their pre their last two coaches um, going back to, was it Gary Anderson? Yep, uh, the Utah State head coach. Well, he left for Oregon State after we hired Mike Riley. Yeah, but I think he was he went from uh, Utah State to Wisconsin, then Utah okay. or Wisconsin to okay. Oregon State. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, going back to him, Wisconsin has had multiple opportunities. I mean, with top five defenses and some elite running backs, they. They've had the opportunity to play for playoffs. They just didn't show up in conference title games. Um, you know, they always had kind of a slip up, but they fired. Why can't I think of the most uh, recent Christ. coach? Paul Christ? Yeah, Paul Christ. They fired Paul Christ, who had been. It was a, a legacy there, too. Who had been a perennial conference champion like contender. They got rid of him because the offense had kind of been stalling. So. I, if Nebraska and Wisconsin had kind of held up their end of the bargain and developed into the r- rivalry that we all kind of wanted them to be, you know, with the connection of Barry Alvarez between the two programs, I think you are – I think that elevates the entire conference. Um, I would love if, if the Wisconsin game was our, was kept as our annual game instead of Iowa. Um and I, I'm buying a lot more into this Iowa um, 
rivalry over the last 18 months. I know I've I've said numerous times I I've always felt like it's forced. I still feel like it's forced. But now their fans and their coaches have been speaking out of pocket a little bit. So I, I view them closer to Colorado than I do Illinois. Um but in reality, like when it comes when it comes down to teams that have the ability to to play at the elite level, I think Wisconsin's closer than Iowa. And I think Nebraska's closer than both of them just because of our pedigree. So I think I think Wisconsin and Nebraska are the two that could have been carrying that. Now, could Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, could they have done a better job as well? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we just haven't had a top dog. And there's two two opportunities for a legitimate top dog. Yeah. I, I, I would include Iowa in the, that top three with Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa just because of Iowa – They've been so steady that I could understand being happy with good enough, but it doesn't – God, I don't know. And here's I, the thing. No coach is ever going to say we're happy with, with being – With good enough. With good enough. But in reality, they, they've they done nothing to tell me otherwise. Yeah, it, with, with the lack of the offensive evolution on that team shows you that – where they are, if you can win about 75% of your games, you're happy. And, hey, that, that that's great. It is what it is. I, I can't wait for Nebraska to get back there. I just still feel like Iowa is partially to blame as well. Same thing with Wisconsin that, yeah, you guys have gotten to the Big Ten Championship games, but what have you done with the opportunity? It's been squandered every step of the way. While Nebraska was the, the, the blue blood coming in, they they they've you know they've pissed it down their leg the last ten years. I feel like it's a little bit more on Wisconsin and Iowa at this point, due to the they've had the opportunities. It's been nothing done with them at this point. You know why I maybe this is why I don't feel as heavily towards Iowa as you do is I feel like if they wanted to be the team that carried carried the torch. They would have. And the way you do that is by beating the piss out of people that don't really belong on your level. And they consistently play close with, with the bad teams. They play close, close with the good teams as well. But, I mean, even in Nebraska's really bad years, when when they beat some of these teams, they beat they beat them pretty bad. Like, we beat Illinois pretty good a couple times. Um, beat Purdue pretty good, Minnesota pretty good a couple of times. Not now, not over the last five years because we've been god awful. But um, I always just kind of accepted who they were. Now, I guess to your point, should they have taken that next step? Abs- absolutely, they should have. I mean, They've it's been gift wrapped for the last few years. I feel like to to Iowa, to Wisconsin, it's been given to them to take the next step. It's their lack of ability whether it be players, whether it be coaching, whether it be the ability to, they've lacked the step up and not taking the chance when they've had the the option the last 10 years. Yeah. I just <clears> – <throat> I go back to their Iowa-Illinois game this last year, and I'm going to get some of, some of these yardage situations wrong, but in the span of about probably 15 minutes real time, I don't know what it was on the clock. They they had the ball inside the Illinois 20. They were forced to punt. Got a turnover. Lost like 15 yards. Forced to punt again. Like they had the ball inside the 20 like on three different possessions and ended up with one field goal. 
Jesus Christ. Like at at that point in my mind, like if that That's hard to watch too. If I if that ever happened in Nebraska, I would be calling for that offensive coordinator's head by the end of the game. Um and you know what? We can go back to the Iowa State game where we had like eight turnovers. We were calling for the offensive coordinator. I was just that was exactly where my mind went to was was uh <clears throat> that game. We lost what nine to seven in that game? Yep, nine seven and the amount of fumbles, turnovers, and everything in general on a windy day was freakish. Yep. Yeah. Not not great, but um yeah, that was just kind of an interesting thought that I, I know what Nebraska's pedigree is previously, but one team cannot make your division, just like the other side has, you know, you know, uh, Michigan. When Michigan was down, you still had Ohio State. You still had Penn State. Michigan State's been a team that's very hit and miss at best. Yeah. It, it's not one team that's been holding up that entire side of the division. So I just – I don't know. It could be a Nebraska fan saying that. I don't think that's a fair way of putting it, but – End of the day, Nebraska hasn't held up its side of the bargain um, with, with what they've had. But this is the first coach that they've had legitimately, I think, that could get Nebraska back to winning some games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're not they're not as far away as I as I think from winning some games, winning big games. I think they're a little further from those, but I don't think they're far away from getting to five hundred. But it's the little things now that they're going to have to change to get to there. And you know what? Like, <clears throat> this is what I'm most excited for right now is unlike under the last regime, like, if we do not see visible improvement by year three, we'll, as the entirety of the fan base, will be ready to move on. And I think we will see that improvement, but like, at the end of year four, if we lose nine one-score games, that's not going to matter. It's going to be, all right, we got to move on. Yeah, I mean, it's been set as a precedent now that if you're not doing uh, the little things like that, because that's how you lose one-score games is you're not doing the little things right. If that's where we're at in year four, I mean, we're going to have some big fucking problems on our hands. Yeah. That means now a detail-orientated guy cannot fix the problem as well. It, 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 it just seems like it's been the small things that have been killing Nebraska. We've said it numerous times over and over again, but we can only hammer the point so many times. So um, yeah. the only other thing I just want to bring up real quick, and then we can cut it if you want to for the day, um, in-state recruits. So you brought it up earlier, um, and I thought this was kind of interesting. I think Damon brought it up too on the show. Um sometime last week, but Nebraska is still going to offer the in-state guys. Obviously they're going to hammer, you know, they're going to give them the full red car, red, uh, red treatment. Um, but let's say if, if that recruit decides to move on to an out of state opportunity, kind of like we brought up that they will not be interested in them in the uh, transfer portal. What's uh, how, what are your thoughts on that? I, I understand it completely especially an in-state guy choosing somewhere else. But is that a uh, 100% thing or is that a – It's always it's a case-by-case. Case. Case. Of course it is, but – It's got to be. I mean, there's there's several in-state guys that have come out of Bellevue West in recent years that, you know, went other places. But at the same time, those guys 
yeah, they went to high school here, but they didn't grow up here. You know, they were mm-hmm. military families. Like at a certain point, like if you don't have a real tie or real love to the program, I'm not going to hold that against you if you leave the state. Um, and also, like, let let's face it. You know, if X Y Z kid chooses Notre Dame, I'm just using Notre Dame. Uses Notre Dame, chooses Notre Dame over Nebraska. Well, we just brought one of those kids back to play fullback. Like, and and, and so, I get it. You didn't get to recruit him out of high school, so I I get that it's a totally different story. Yeah. But but like, Notre Dame is a pre- prestigious school beyond athletics. Like, the school as a whole. Are you going to tell me that if you had a kid who thought that they wanted to serve their country and they they went to a service academy and it didn't really work out for them there for a variety of reasons, you wouldn't entertain it if they were a premier athlete that wanted to come back and give it their all? Like, And I think this is the importance of those kids having honest conversations with the staff during the initial recruiting process. Like, hey, I love Nebraska, right? But – Playing for the Air Force Academy has been a dream of mine since I was a little kid because my dad my dad went to the Air Force Academy. Um, my uncle went to the Air Force. Like, things like that. Like, again, it's got to be case by case. Like, if a kid has always had a dream of being at a service academy for whatever reason, and then they decide it's not for them, you know, as long as they were honest with you up and up front at the beginning of it, I think if they want to come back and play for you, now maybe maybe you don't give them a scholarship for whatever reason, but if they want to come come back as a walk-on and earn their way on into the program, I can't fault them. No, I think it's obviously case by case. You know, it's I, I think it all does come down to the communication. Are you able to have the adult conversation with the coaching staff throughout the process to say, hey. And I, I will say most kids can't. Like, they just no. can't. It, and, and that's tough to do, to be able to have those adult conversations. Shit, there's a lot of adults that can't have those conversations. So I, I do respect the staff for, for doing that. And as long as it's being communicated across the board, I see no reason not to welcome them back. But it's all how things are handled and if it's done above water or not. So, yeah, just, just yeah, there you go. Um, just kind of it was just an interesting little thing that I heard from Damon and kind of was reading about earlier. But. Uh, Drake, do you have anything else, my friend? I am good, brother. I am good as well. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, everybody here on Church of the Corn. Uh, the slumming in edition, because that's what we did today, was just slumming up, apparently. So, thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Have a great night, and we will talk to everybody later. See you, buddy.